Hello, bonjour and salam alaikum, beautiful people. Welcome to Stand Out from the Crowd, the first live podcast dedicated to no BS leadership. And if you like us, tell your friends and colleagues to go over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and give us a five-star review because I think we are worth it. Don't you think the stories we share on this podcast are worth it? I think so. And I hope you too. The past few years have been plagued with extensive, evasive, and disheartening leadership failure. And I feel like we have been in this turmoil for way too long by now. And with the challenges post-COVID-19 and the racial equity tensions that are impacting our society, there has never been a more important time to foster value-based leadership to organizations and community. Our standout guest today, Leith Naturkash, is the executive director of the Mosaic Institute. And during our conversation, she's going to share how she leveraged value-based leadership as the motivation to lead forward towards her desired vision. So please help me welcome Leith to the Standout Podcast. Hello, so great to be here and, and spend time with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time, you know, to ch chit chat a little bit with us about leadership, what it looks like, and most importantly, what was your journey to becoming the leader you were meant to be? Let me ask you this question. If you would describe yourself using three words, what would that be? Ooh, just three. I would say um, passionate. I would say I'm a very passionate person. I'm, uh, I think, an empathetic person. Um, and I'm a bit of a messy person. I'm very, you know, um, vulnerable, messy in, in all my ways and approaches. So your no BS approach really uh, resonated with me. <laughs> messy is good. <laughs> Let me tell you people, messy is good, <laughs> right? So when you when looking at your profile, um, uh, we can clearly see that you have built a career devoting yourself to uh, helping others and to supporting causes that are close to your heart. You have worked uh, at the Canadian Women Foundation, uh, the Women's College Hospital Foundation, and in between you have done a lot of also uh, volunteering um, and in different space, right? So with a focus on gender equity, reproductive justice, at-risk at risk youth, and um, end-of-life right and care spaces. So it's quite broad. So what I see here, okay, she's generous, really. She has a big heart and she want to help. But tell us your why. Why did you decide to to do all of this and, you know, to focus on so many causes and to dedicate your career to doing so? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think I've always um, wanted to ask myself, how can I contribute to something? So, you know, growing up in a small town, um, playing part of teams, you know, part of the community, different pieces is how can I, what can I contribute in a positive way that's going to make the world a better place? And, you know, some of those things, um, it, it can look very different. Um, and I've never really been uh, motivated by money or or title or different pieces of, of that. I think it, you know, I look at the challenges in the world and I just want to be part of the approaches and solutions. And I think it comes from a, a strong sense of what, those values that, that are important to me through empathy, you know, justice, accountability, um, 
yeah, just from starting from a good place and from the people who, who informed my journey and who've been around me my whole life. I've been very inspired by how they've given back. And uh, that's that's a strong motivator to, to influence how you, how you make your decisions. Did you have a role model growing up? Oh, so many, so many, um, you know, leadership and and uh, role models come in all shapes and forms, including within my own family, very strong, um, wonderful women and, and the men in my life have been very, very lucky. My friends, my community um, throughout my, you know, academic career teams, um, all of those those different ways and, and how that role modeling happens for me. Um, I, I can't even count the ways that uh, I've been influenced by that. Is there, um, as you said, you know, you growing up and and you know all the values that that you 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 carry was important for you, you know, to contribute and to make an impact. But do you think that it is related to um, an experience that you had uh, growing up, or maybe you know learning something in school that when you realize, oh, you know what, this is my calling. When did you realize, basically, if I can summarize my question, when did you realize that? Or when did you have a, did you have a aha moment when you okay you know what this is what I want to do with my life? That's such a fascinating piece. I, I I think I've had multiple aha moments and they've come in various sizes and shapes. But I don't think there was ever you know I'm a as I said I'm a messy person a little bit. And how that translates for me in this way is that I have a generalist approach. I'm not interested in anyone particular thing or area and the blend with which all of these experiences and curiosities that I've, you know, accumulated over time have informed sort of where I am today. And I can't say that there was a clear path or this moment, I think there were sparks that sort of just planted the seeds um, to, to, to what I'm continuing to grow and nurture. And, you know, even five years from now, you know, who, who knows where I'll be in five years from now. But I, I think that sense of curiosity has really informed that. And I would say, you know, one of the challenges I hear a lot from young people in our programs or, or youth that I work with, they feel like that has to be a direct, clear path. And, you know, I started out thinking, you know, I was really interested in media, journalism, documentary, and also had this strong sense of justice. And I needed to sort of explore the both, which they have ended up um, melding together beautifully, but they, they do complement each other. You don't have to choose. You can explore one and it can lead you down a different path. So that pressure to feel like you have to have it figured out early on, I just that that's never something I've subscribed to. And I encourage others to really think about because it's it's a it's a accumulated journey. It's a, it's part of the process. And I like you saying, you know, there is no clear path because this is a misconception that oftentimes we have and that I did have myself. Right. When I thought, OK, you know, you go to university. This is what you study. This is what you build your career on in. And and then, you know, shifting from an industry to another was very challenging for me because I would associate, you know, the shift to failure or oh, I'm shifting because I wasn't good enough at that or oh, I'm shifting because I made a mistake. This is not what I was meant to the person or what I was meant to do, meant to be. I'm shifting because I don't know what I want. And I remember feeling lost and sometimes it still happens right when i i want to take a different direction uh, you know the self-doubt why do i want to take that direction i shouldn't do it it doesn't make sense you know from a practical perspective it doesn't make sense but from if i want to follow my heart that's what i want to do and it's really hard you know so, to find the balance and there is this consistent internal conflict so we have it when we are young 
like through you know the university college or educational process but then we still have it when we are a leader at least uh, from my personal expertise so i think it's very important that you are bringing this this topic to the conversation and i would like to learn more about you know how did you feel when you 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 or how can i say that how do you feel when or what do you do what's your process maybe your thought process when you feel it's time for you to shift from a place to another or for something to something else it's a great question and i think it, 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 trusting your gut is something i've learned a lot about and following those things that fuel you and challenge you but give you joy like you you grow in the, in the challenging moments but for me you know starting in media um you know going into um uh, you know, social justice areas and different pieces. And then later, um, you know, going into studying death and dying, um, all of those things have, have blended together. And it was just sort of testing things along the way. So adding to my education, you know, and education comes in many formal and informal ways. And I think it's through networks, relationship building, volunteering, um, you know, how we can contribute doesn't necessarily have to be a profession. We can contribute in many ways. So each of those shifts came at a different time for me to fuel different aspects of myself. And so it was it was just, um, yeah, I, I, I would just say it just sort of was an interest, but, and then I just dedicated and, and put some more effort and, and uh, you know, commitment to that. But I think that that's, that's been the blend is, you know, I think we feel the need that you have to have a PhD in something, or you have to be so credentialed in all these ways. And especially the death and dying work that I had, you know, engaged in over the last 10 years, it's really been on my terms. And that's been a really refreshing way to engage with the work and not feel like I have to have the most polished resume or the most expertise. I can engage with that work in a way that aligns with my values, but also is sort of a self-made journey in that sense. And that's alleviated a lot of the pressure when I haven't monetized it or forced it to be any one thing. And I think that's been a really beautiful way of going about it that I had never really thought about before. And I learned that only 10 years ago. You know, we're still learning all the time. It's a, it's a lifelong thing, right? <laughs> yes. But, you know, I see a lot of self-awareness and self-confidence here. Well, and that's what's interesting, because I've, I've been reading more about, you know, the, when the topic of values-based leadership in different pieces. And one of the four, there's four principles that um, some of the practitioners talk about. And one of them is self-reflection, um, balance, true self-confidence, and genuine humility. And I'm not saying I embody those in perfect ways every day. Absolutely not. Um, but I think that true self-confidence comes from a, a really solid foundation. And I can really, really point back to I've had the luck and the privilege of having a really wonderful, supportive family that provided that and that unconditional um, radical acceptance that I think um, not everyone has the opportunity or, or privilege of having. So I think that kind of confidence and grounding has really helped that element in particular. Mm -hmm. And as I was saying at the beginning, uh, the past few years have been really a catastrophe. Let's let's call it <laughs> what it is <laughs> in terms of of leadership, right? Uh, all of us, we have been through a lot uh, and, and we have uh, seen the, the, the limit of what leadership means uh, the way we had always known it, at least for the most of us and for most organizations out there. Um, so in that context, uh, how value-based leadership can make a difference? And before we get to that, what does it mean to be a value-based leader? So you have shared the four principles, but yeah. beyond the four principles, how do you embody it? What does that mean? 
Well, that's that's really interesting. I think there's many styles of leadership, and I think you know a lot of um, cultural dominance has been informed by what we have seen and demonstrated in leadership. And I think this is a time when there's new forms and recognition and value in that. So I think it's a really exciting time um, coming back to along with all the challenges. But I think we're really seeing what is rising above and sort of that values-based leadership. So I would say, you know. Values-based leadership, the examples of that are, you know, um, authenticity. Um, I'm just going to try to name name some other pieces here, but, um, you know, hum humility, um, other focused, I would say, um, you know, how all those things come together to blend is really reflecting on, um, yeah, it's, it's a sort of that, again, those, that self-reflexive piece of, of I have enough self-awareness to, to be other focused and in service of, of an organization. And what that looks like is, yeah, modeled on on all of those values. I think I think that I've heard the, the blend of like servant leadership and, and values-based leadership. I'm not sure they're quite the same thing, um, but uh, yeah, authenticity, transparency, all of those pieces. And I think all of those things come together to really um, come back to trust. And I think that we're hearing a lot of disruption in the sector on leadership, all these pieces. And I think that the word trust keeps coming back as this is one example of how you can earn that within within a team or within an organization or community. Yeah, trust has been broken in so many ways and so many levels that it does require, I think, some, some real shift and, you know, the emergence of uh, new leaders or, you know, uh, maybe some existing leaders need to become more visible. So, you know, we build trust in, in, in people, faith in people again. We build trust in the system again because uh, the past few years have been really uh, a roller coaster. I think also when it comes to value-based uh, uh, leadership, it's important to be able to identify identify your values, what you stand for, in order to then being able to communicate and share those values uh, with your, your your teams within your organization. You know, as a pillar of um, you know the, the the groundwork and 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 the motivation behind behind teamwork. Uh, we, we mentioned that self-awareness and, you know, self-acceptance, self-awareness are some of the pillars of values-based leadership. And I do believe that bring us back to something that is essential is I, myself, how can I make a meaningful impact? And a lot of people now are, are, are searching for ways, they are searching for themselves and for ways to make a meaningful impact, and they don't know how, right? Because we're not used to it. We were raised and taught by society uh, for for the longest time, you know, oh, this is what a leaders look like. This is how a leader like uh, behave. This is what you should do. This is how and this and that. And we are so used, you know, to be uh, receiving so many inputs from the society that we are no longer used and we don't know most of the time how to listen our inner voice and understand and put words on what we want to achieve and what's the impact we were meant to be. That's why I often say, you know, become the leader to be because most of the time we don't know, right? So exactly. how, 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 did you, how did you identify the values that you wanted to stand by and that you wanted to communicate uh, throughout your career with uh, the different people you worked with? Yeah, I think, you know, going back to some of the, those original points of that strong sense of, you know, justice, accountability, empathy, 
humility. Um, those were things that humility I've only learned over time. So let's let's be clear. It's not, you know, these weren't the automatically inbred things, you know, that uh, that were born knowing um, and the more experiences and, and challenges I've had and opportunities to grow and mistakes I've made certainly have really um, made me more humble by time. So I can only imagine how, how humble I'm going to be by 70 years old. But I think, you know, <laughs> All, all of those things have have informed how we go about and I've learned you know the amazing women leaders and people who I've I've had the privilege of working with you know when you stand in those values it 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 provides that framework and that guidance to to make decisions and and what stands with your gut and you know what I you know values based leadership is is one approach I think that it's not exclusive to other forms of leadership and I think using good judgment and knowing when to enact those different styles and what works. I do think that, um, you know, the, it, it sometimes, and it's, it's an ongoing process. It's not like you have this, you know, values are, you continue to refine, refine them and also tie them into action. And I think that that's the most challenging part is it's not, you can have, a, you know, a set of principles which inform your values and this is a, a way of being and thinking, but how to put those into action and example, like, and, and practice that every day it's an ongoing work and it's disruptive and it's hard and it's challenging and we don't always live up to our own values. And I think to know the difference of it, when you learn those lessons of when you have not, when that's incongruent, things are inconsistent, you know, how do you get back to that place? How do you offer yourself grace? And did you learn something from that? And I think that's something that I've also learned in others to offer that same grace, because I think we, we are very hard on ourselves. And you were saying like, we've not, we don't, we're now more talking about values within a work setting, but we've, previously always talked about value. What is our value? And that was usually related to outcomes, deliverables, monetary value. And I think this this shift is serving humanity really well that we're getting back to this place of our value in terms of values and as, as people. Yes. And uh, so you are now uh, the executive director of uh, the Mosaic Institute. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the work that you do with the Mosaic Institute? Yeah, so I'm, I wear many, many hats. So my generalist approach has, I, I rely on all of the skill sets and all of the knowledge I've accumulated over the decades of working and, and in community. So Mosaic Institute is a, is a national organization with a mission to dismantle prejudice. And um, we equip people with the tools and skills and knowledge in order to do that. And I think to your point around, we don't, People feel overwhelmed by the challenges. Certainly there are many, um, it's a complicated time. Things are rapidly changing polarized misinformation, all these, these large challenges that people are facing. And what we really want to do is, you know, meet, we can't solve for everything. We certainly know that, but we want to give people the, to, to feel empowered within the, their own sphere of influence with what they can do. So for me, um, knowing that I grew up in a, in a very privileged position, I did not face a lot of barriers. I, I still am working on myself first and foremost, that foundation and that self-awareness and understanding my own identity. That's something we teach through our programs, for example, because by understanding yourself and your social location, you can then help understand others and appreciate that difference as opposed to see it as an othering. And then, you know, how do we, you know, inform people around how to, you know, within their workplace, within their family, within, you know, the systems around us, we give them the, the pathways and mechanisms for how to create change. And it, and it, it, and it can be, you know, we think of it having to be, you know, running for president or, or these large scale pieces. But what I really appreciate about the movement that we have built with Mosaic is that it's driven by community. It comes and can show up in many forms from a micro conversation to a research paper to community dialogues and coming back to that idea of just being able to communicate through difference and appreciate the other. And it's such, a, it sounds like a simple thing. It's challenging, but people aren't equipped with that knowledge and, and don't know how to do that. And I think it's something that we need more than ever.
that's that's very true and how do you feel this role helps you fulfill your purpose oh my gosh i feel so lucky to be in the seat i honestly i, I started on valentine's day last year so i've been in love ever since and um, <laughs> And I think, you know, it, it's it's allowed me to use my skill sets, but also that huge sense of challenge. And and I, you know, I don't have all the answers all the time. And I, so what I do is I surround myself with an amazing team who help me grow every day and challenge me in wonderful ways. Their wisdom and their leadership are, are things I learn from every day. The, this, the youth in our programs, the community partners we work with, um, I feel that I get to, yeah, tap on all of my experience and skill sets while still growing. And I think, you know, our mission is, is one of the most urgent issues of our time. Time, you know, alongside all the other challenges, because prejudice is at the root of so many of, of our ills. So I think this is, you know, it's it's it, the the small but mighty net nature of our organization. I really love being able to put my experience, expertise, and efforts into something that really deserves that that growth and attention. And that's something I, I'm very much interested in making Mosaic successful. And in this way, it's 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 us together who are who are doing that. And that's the, the pieces I I might hold the executive director title. But it's it's a team effort, and and it comes to our values and through our culture and all of those things that we have that common understanding and language and something we're building intentionally together. And, and and the Mosaic Institute is one of its kind across Canada, right? I, I I don't know. I'm not aware of any other organizations. And just for you to know, in full transparency, uh, transparency, uh, when I moved to Canada ten years ago, um, I, I was a fellow. Uh, of the Mosaic Institute and, you know, not knowing what to do, being a new in a country by myself. I didn't speak English back in time, so it was very challenging for me. Um, but, uh, you know, I really love the experience I had at the Mosaic Institute because it, it allowed me to learn so much about, you know, uh, Canadian diverse society and how, what are the challenges, you know, you, you talked about the communication challenges, you know, between people and Canada is a diverse country, right? So uh, th there is the, it's, there is like a set of challenges that are uh, that are, that belongs to uh, our society as Canadians, but because of the beautiful uh, diversity uh, of people who make uh, Canada this beautiful country, and so I have learned a lot, and and that was really uh, a step on you know towards. Uh, becoming the leader that I am today and toward learning about myself, about Canada, about the culture, about the people. So I could myself also, you know, better, uh, better start in life, my life in Canada. So kudos to, to what you guys are doing, because this is great. Um, I haven't I haven't asked you the question, but I was wondering if there is any specific challenges, barriers that you face when um, you know, climbing the ladder and growing your career as a leader. Oh, how, how much time do we have? <laughs> it, uh, you know, and there, there are, I think the accumulation, I remember saying to a, a former boss of mine, a friend when I was like 24 and I was like, I said, you know, I don't have any regrets. And I was so obnoxious about not having, you know, not the understanding that I had made mistakes or that, you know, just not the, the wisdom to know, you know, what, what, what's, you know, when, when I had made a mistake, but I think those, those moments over time that I, you know, where you step outside of your values, you did not stand in, in the way that you would have expected of yourself or held yourself to account. Um, you know, I think acknowledging those mistakes is, is one of the most important things you can do. It's actually helped. That's where the growth is. And, you know, um, over my career, it's, 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 it's usually, related to either issues of communication or relationships. It's it's how how you make people feel. You know, I think, you know, we can all make mistakes technically, but I think the things that that sit with me and that um, I reflect on and try to do better is is the the more um, 
humane elements of what we're talking about and how we're walking around the world, our credibility, our, 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 who we are as human beings and where I've, you know, caused harm or if I've, I've made a mistake. So, you know, that's, that is, it's a necessary um, part. And what we do with that is, is, is the most important thing. So are we going to grow from that? Can we prepare? How do we make right if we can, um, but if not, at least do better. And, you know, I think that I, as, as challenging and as, as annoying it is to wake up at three in the morning and stew on those mistakes and, and those things, you also have to, to to move on and move forward. And I think being vulnerable about those things has been something I've been very grateful to the leaders around me who have shared their experiences, who have been vulnerable about it, showed their vulnerable points that show you we're all human beings and we are trying to do our best. And you know, while we have intention, what is the action that we're doing most importantly to tie to that? So it's one thing to talk about it, but to put it into action is is a challenge. So, you know, I, I've certainly learned what not to do over the years as much as I have learned what to do. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I think what's important to uh, remember here for those of you watching and for those of you listening is that perfect doesn't make it best, right? And I know a lot of people hold themselves back because they feel they're not ready enough, prepared enough, it's not perfect enough and so on and so on, but it doesn't make it better right because you will make mistakes and you have to let me tell you that you have to make mistakes in order to learn and get better at what you do if you don't make mistake you don't learn if you don't learn you don't you don't improve yourself right and and it's important to have those conversations because we need to reframe the narrative where oh you have to be good at it and you have to be successful and you have to get that job in order to that title in order to be a leader no you don't have to figure it out you won't figure it all out we are we we that's a conversation Liz and i we were having at the beginning we are still trying to figure it out on a daily basis okay so it does happen it's a process right there is no end to it you keep learning you keep making mistakes and you keep improving but the difference with us now when you see us publicly and you know uh, holding those titles and, and roles is that we have learned that making mistakes is okay and we have learned to bounce back from our mistake in order to keep moving forward i would say that's the main difference between the the, the people you see uh, growing into leadership and becoming the leaders they were meant to be versus the people who are still you know holding themselves back we go through the same process it's just that we learn how to maneuver, you know, how to play the game and, and leverage that process to our advantage. In order to reach that point, you need to go through all the mistakes, <laughs> ups and downs, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between to reach that level. So yeah. if you, you have big ambitions, if you know that you can do more, that you can achieve more, just do it, give it a try. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's a process and it's continual. And I think what we see often on LinkedIn and in these different platforms of what we what appears to be, we're not seeing, it's like an iceberg. You're not seeing what all the stuff that's underneath or behind the scenes. And I think that's something I've learned the most about. And one of the most powerful things I've ever heard from really good leaders is when they genuinely can say, I don't know, I'm not pretending to know, and we're going to figure it out. And I actually, that's a, you, the trust, it comes back to judgment and all the, the, informed ways and approaches that we do that can help get us to those answers. But that's the thing is we're all figuring it out and whether somebody admits that or not, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, that's another story. That could be another topic for another conversation. 
And and so the last question here, what legacy would you like to build and leave behind? Oh, that's so interesting. You know what? I think it does come back to um, values. There's not um, there was a really good quote I heard from someone once that said, you know, I'm I'm we're making maps, not monuments. And so that's not my quote, but that that idea of I have been part of something that's larger than myself and I have made people feel good in some way, feel loved. And I think that the death and dying studies, I'll go back to that. What it has taught me to say, how have you loved? And I want that's that's the legacy that I want to leave a little bit of love behind. That's all we can do. Oh, wow. That's powerful. So this is already the end. Thank you so much for uh, sharing so much about you, your journey, you know, and being uh, willing to share, you know, uh, the reality of what's happening behind uh, uh, the beautiful facade, because there is a lot happening, a lot of learning. And again, learning is a good thing. So ultimately, making mistakes is a good thing. I think that's something that I would like uh, all of us to to keep in mind and, and to remember. Thank you for those of you uh, tuning in live. And I will see you next week for another live episode of Stand Out From The Crowd. You take care, you stay safe. Liz, is there any last word you would like to share with us before we conclude? No, I just want to say thank you and the community that you've built here. Um, it, it's it's something we, we need. We need this energy. We need that um, you know co-conspirator um, support of each other. And and I think when, when you can see that that is out there, it's a really positive thing. It helps all of us manage in the day-to-day -day challenges and, and find that that's what sustains us. So thank you for, for doing what you do. Thank you so much. You take care. You stay safe. And, and I will see you soon. Bye-bye, everyone.